Welcome to the Leaps of Faith podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Coleman. I'm so glad you're here. Whether this is an interview with an active member of the church, an ex-Mormon, or anyone in between, remember to be curious and to create space in your heart and mind. We are here to bridge the divide between us. Now, let's get to the interview. Well, everyone, welcome back to the Leaps of Faith podcast. I am here today with my new friend, Chandler Larson. She um, has an amazing Instagram page um, called Deconstructing Deborah, where she helps ex-Mormons deconstruct and move forward with confidence and peace. She teaches critical thinking skills and helps people to make informed decisions. It's a great page. I have loved following it um, through my deconstruction journey. She's got over 1500 followers. Um, and we are just, I'm just so excited to, to have you on today, Chandler. I know. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Of course. So let's go ahead and just jump in. And as you, um, as you answer this first question, you can talk to us more about, um, you know, who you are now, things that define you, but, um, let's, let's go ahead and backtrack. And could you describe your personal faith journey and the role that the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has played in that journey? Yeah, so my faith journey, I, I, I don't know exactly how to describe it without telling kind of the story, I guess. But basically, you, yeah, go ahead. Tell us everything. <laughs> okay, so basically, I grew up in the LDS church. Um, and so and like my whole family, my, you know, grandparents, there's a whole lineage in history of like being active Mormons and growing up in this church. So I grew up in a church. Um, I pretty much grew in, grew up in Utah, which is like, you know, the, the center of Mormon country. Yes, the Mecca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I had a great upbringing. Um, my parents divorced when I was younger. And so that in itself, I think played a really interesting role in my faith journey. So when my parents got divorced, um, my dad left the church. And so whenever we did our visits with dad and, you know, hung out with him, talked to him, whatever, we always, so when I say we, sorry, me and my sisters, we just kind of had two sides of the coin here. So we had my, my active mom and stepdad, and then my, my dad, who was ex-Mormon, and then my stepmom, who was a never-Mormon. And, um, and I don't even know if she was like part of any religion now that I think about it anyways. So it was just, it was just an interesting dynamic. My dad was really good at just being like, well, why do you want to do this? And why do you want to do that? And cause we would do things at his house, like read scripture or work on, um, young women program type projects and who knows what else. Um, <clears throat> And he would always just kind of get us thinking about like, well, do you want to do this because your mom expects it of you or do you want to do it because you actually want to? And he was so good at being like, if this is truly something that you want to do, that's totally fine. I'll take you to church. You can go to activities, whatever. But he just was really good at making sure it was something that we actually did. But he also allowed us a really safe place to kind of explore and experiment and just try other things. Um, so anyway, so it was, it was kind of an interesting dynamic. Like it wasn't technically a mixed faith home because my parents were divorced, but it was 
enough where you kind of just got to see different perspectives. And we were in California when we visited him. So it's just a different, you know, environment culturally that way as well. Um, so anyways, that's just a, a little background. Um, and so I, I kind of want to dive into this a little bit more because that okay. sounds um, just a lot for yeah. a kid, you know, yeah. being raised in the church to <laughs> be part of two different households with two completely opposite belief systems, like maybe mm-hmm. not opposite, but, but fundamentally different. Um, so first tell me a little bit more about your sisters. Are you the oldest? How many sisters do you have? So I have three sisters. I have an older sister and then there's me and two younger siblings. Okay. And are you all pretty close in age? No. Well, depends. I, I don't think so. <laughs> so <laughs> be, there, we're basically all four years apart. Okay. So pretty yeah. spread out, I kind think. spread out. My youngest yeah. sisters are two years apart, but. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's traditionally, like, I would say that's more spread apart than <laughs> super close. I, so. I would agree. I okay. would agree. And were your parents, were, was there a lot of conflict that you were aware of over how you were being raised? No, actually, not when it came to anything like that. You know, my parents were divorced and they had their moments, but it was more anything that was like that I was super aware of where it was confrontational was just mostly about like custody things. Um, So there might have been some things going on more behind the scenes, but I didn't ever feel like, you know, backlash from anyone. Now, of course, there were little comments like, you know, maybe my mom would be like, just because your dad allows you to do that doesn't mean you can do it here and vice versa. Um, but I never, I never felt like they were putting us against each other in any way. And I will say though, that my mom is a therapist. So I think she just had a lot of skills. That does make a difference. Yeah. Where she just, we already like, we're super nuanced. Like even when we were at my mom's house, like I, I would say and describe our upbringing like way more nuanced. Like we didn't do family scripture and family prayer every night. I mean, we tried, but it always failed. <laughs> like we never <laughs> stuck with it for very long. Um, family home evening, we kind of did, but it wasn't ever like a structured lesson plan. It was more just like family time. So there was just little things where I just already knew we were more like flexible I guess you could say um and my and again I think there wasn't a lot of confrontation between my parents on raising us in like a certain faith because my dad was really respectful even though he like left and deconstructed and all of that he was really good at just kind of being like I get why you guys are doing this or thinking this way or whatever and you know he respected it and his whole family is still active and well, I would say it's like 50-50 now, but back then they were all still active. So, you know, I think he was more of a minority. And so he just was more respectful about it, at least to, in front of us. I can't speak for, you know, every moment, but. Sure. Wow. So it sounds like you had, you know, besides the circumstances of, you know, going through a divorce as a child, I can't even imagine how difficult that is, but it sounds like you had a pretty peaceful introduction to both types of lifestyles um just like being an active member and being an ex-member would you say that's right yeah I would say that's fair there was definitely 
sometimes where you know I was like oh my gosh my dad's crazy because he was he got into like tarot readings and um just kind of like like crystals and things like that that you're you know told is bad and I was like oh my gosh my dad's crazy like (laughs) what is he doing (laughs) and but it's so funny because he introduced it to us in such a nice like chill way where like now looking back I'm like oh like that was that's really not that weird that he was you know believing in these other things and and I think it really I wouldn't define myself as like well-rounded by any means but I think it did (laughs) kind of like as a kid you know like a preteen, it did kind of help me understand that there was so much more out there when it came to anything because there was so much that my dad you know like he had gay friends and I was like oh oh they're really sweet you know um and just just things like that like it just kind of helped us understand that there's so much more than just this little like community in Utah wow yeah that that is incredible okay so go ahead and continue so were you did you lean more active member or were you more um did you lean towards your dad's way of thinking as you were in your teen years I definitely was still active so I I very much kind of especially as I got more into like high school like middle school high school teenage years I was okay here's the thing I'm not like the best Mormon. I wouldn't consider myself like super orthodox or anything about that. But there was definitely a time where I was like, okay, yes, I'm going to read my scriptures and I'm going to, you know, go to church and go to the, all the activities and get my young women medallion. And which is like, I don't even know what the purpose of that is now. But like, like <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to do all of these things. And it, it very much felt like that's what I'm supposed to do. And it gave me like purpose. Like I felt I'm, I love taking on projects and like completing tasks. And so in a way I liked doing all those things. I loved girls camp and I, you know, I just, I loved it all. I'm a really, really social, like extroverted person. And so I loved it. And, um, but I hated seminary. I like, that was so boring to me, but you go early morning. No, in Utah, it's part of school. Oh, girl, because I went to Lone so Peak. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like. Yeah, so. <laughs> yep. So I didn't really worry about it. Mine was always after lunch. So I always was like late. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I, I definitely leaned more active. And I remember having a conversation with my dad once. Um and I, I don't remember all the details now, but I just remember what I took away from the conversation. And it was basically him saying like that he will support me in whatever I want to believe or, you know, participate in. But he wanted to just make sure that like I was truly doing it for myself. And I remember like hardcore reflecting on that and being like, well, why am I wanting to you know, study my scriptures and do all these things. And, and, you know, I came to the conclusion that it was like, well, it's not harming me. Like what's so bad about like reading scripture or praying or going to church. Right. I'm going to do all these things. And, um, and I also felt like I had to be an example for my younger siblings because my older sister 
had stepped away from the church and kind of was um, just not making some of the best life decisions. And so I felt some obligation to be this quote, like example for my sisters. So um, anyways, so I would definitely say I leaned more towards active, but I still kind of was now not necessarily enjoying going to church every Sunday or going to seminary. I didn't read my scripture every single day, but I definitely was way more active than I was not active. Gotcha. Okay. And then, and then post high school. Yeah. Okay. So post high school college is the best, but, um, (laughs) so I moved out and I went to just like a local community college, but I, I very much was like, I want to live on my own and have roommates and just, you know, have that experience. And I went to Institute, which is like the college version of seminary. And um, I actually really liked Institute because it was more about choosing what I wanted to focus on rather than being told what to do and like study every different thing like seminary was. And I don't know, it just seemed way more chill at college. And so I loved it. And so I, I did, I did as much as I could. I did student government and all of that. And I had a great roommates, but we were still, you know, super active, went to church, like singles ward and everything. Um, and then I met my husband. Well, now are you in Utah at this time? I'm still in Utah. Yep. Still in Utah. Okay. Yeah, so I eventually connect with my husband when he came home from his mission. We had similar, like, friend groups and everything connected. And then we eventually started dating and had, you know, a a super quick, like, dating to marriage. It was all within eight months between us. I know. And what's funny is people are like, oh, eight months, that's longer. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's not. (laughs) like it was (laughs) so we yeah we I'm trying to think even when from when we started dating like if we had been friends for a hot minute before we even started dating but so by the time we actually like were officially dating to getting engaged it was four months and then we got married well I guess when you know you know Oh, yeah. Well, we've been together. We just had our 11-year anniversary, so. Oh, my gosh. I know. Oh, wonderful. I know. I love him. But um, so we got married. And um, this is, I would say, this is for sure when I started being like, whoa, like, hold on. There's some things here that I'm not really liking. And a lot of that was going through the temple for the first time. So because I didn't know what to expect. Nobody actually tells you what to expect. And (laughs) when you're in it for the first time, you're way too scared to actually question anything or like run away, even though they claim that you can. Um, And I, I just remember being like, I cannot wait to get out of here and talking to my, at the time fiance then, and just being like, that was really weird. And he was just kind of like, yeah, it is, but you know, it's part of the process if you want to get married to me. And I was just like, okay. Um, and so we got married. It was great. And then 
we were pretty good. I would say we were really active and good our first couple of years of marriage, like super diligent with um, going to church, having callings, fulfilling our callings. We were like teachers for Sunday school, which was so fun. Like little kids are so cute. Uh Um, And yeah, like we had a great time with that. And then we were even doing like scripture study together every night as a couple. We would go date nights would be to the temple every so often, you know, just kind of things that were pretty normal. And then over time, we just started not going as often and only going to one hour of church and things like that. And I remember I started like in the summer. I live in southern Utah. It is so ridiculously hot here and dry in the summer. And I remember like wearing tank tops or shorts and that weren't, you know, garment friendly and being super nervous about it. But my husband was just like, whatever, like you're hot. Like he was, he's always been great. Um, But that's when we kind of started just getting just more chill about everything. I don't want to say lazy because we weren't lazy. We just were, I don't know, almost taking like a breather, like for so long, like when you're engaged to get married, you're kind of just doing all the stuff to make sure you're good to go through the temple. And then you want to make sure that you're like this good couple and, you know, with the church at the center of your family. So it almost just felt like we were kind of just taking a little bit of a break and we were working opposite schedules. And so Sundays were really the only days we had fully for each other. And so spending three hours of that at church at the time, it was three hours that just felt like not important. Like our time together was more important. And so eventually we moved to Las Vegas and for, that was for my husband's school. And when we moved to Vegas, it was like the best thing ever (laughs) because it was just, you got out of that Utah community, which there's nothing wrong with it, but it just, when you've lived essentially in the same place your whole life, my husband was born and raised in Utah. Um, and outside of his mission, he had never lived really anywhere else for a long period of time. Um, when you get out of it, you are just, your eyes are just open to a lot. And when you move somewhere like Vegas, where it's just a big melting pot, like full of diversity and tons going on, um, even though it's maybe not like, it's literally like the complete opposite of Utah, like Mormon land. <laughs> but, <laughs> For sure. But it was, it was awesome. Like we moved in with um, his biological dad and who was, he never grew up Mormon or anything like that. And so, um, that was like, again, they were just super chill and it just kind of shows you that, and this sounds like so embarrassing to say out loud, but it was like your first time kind of being shown that, oh, there's, there are good people out there and they're not Mormon and maybe they drink, but like, they're super chill and really cool, you know? And for sure. And it's just, it's like so weird to say that out loud because it's like, duh. But when you like... You just don't know anything really different when you grow up Mormon. No, um, you don't. It's so true. You don't. And I mean, I had a lot of exposure to that when I was a kid with my dad and his friends. But it's just when you grow up and you kind of like live on your own and then you get married and you're just more mature, 
it just, it's just, you understand things just so much differently. Um, and so we, while I was there, I had a job and I remember my coworkers kind of teasing me about being Mormon and like asking me questions. And I remember because they've like never interacted with anyone like LDS before. And I remember just explaining things to them, answering some questions that they may have had about just the basics of, you know, well, what do Mormons believe? And what is this like magic underwear? And, you know, why don't you drink coffee? Why don't you drink just answering things like that? And I, I just remember feeling kind of like when you say things out loud and you explain it to people, it does just kind of seem a little like silly. And I had one coworker who's a friend and she's super critical thinker, just really, she's super curious and I love her for that. And she would always just ask me questions in like the most, I don't know, just the way she worded things would just really get me thinking. And I would just kind of be like, I don't know, or I would do my best to answer. But she got me thinking a lot and kind of like opened my eyes to just kind of how ridiculous some things were <laughs> within the church. Um, but outside of that, my coworkers were so good at just showing me that you can, they were just really good at making like a comfortable environment for me. So like if we all went out to lunch or if everyone was getting together for drinks after work or whatever, they were so good at like not making it a big deal that I didn't drink or anything like they, I was so comfortable with all of these people and they just truly accepted me for who I was. And, and they were just like, you don't drink. Cool. Like no, not even like bat an eye about it. And I had never experienced that before. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is awesome. And I just felt like so comfortable. And I also felt comfortable with them. If I, I knew if I like wanted to try a drink or if I wanted to, I don't know, whatever, they would make me feel so like supported. They wouldn't kind of tease me or anything like that. And that was really nice and nothing I had experienced before. I truly felt like I was amongst the most non-judgmental and supportive people ever. And so around all of this time, we were in Vegas for two years. My husband, um, so we didn't go to church for almost all of that time. We were just like, there's nobody here that knows us. Nobody here to really keep us accountable. So like, we're not going. We maybe went a handful of times, but we really just didn't go. And it was so nice just, you know, having this extra day back in your weekend. And we were just kind of like, we're still good people just because we don't, you know, go to church every Sunday doesn't mean that we're not, you know, firm believers. Um, that was just part of the justification process. And, and it sounds like you were still, you know, do, like you weren't drinking, you were doing a lot nope. of things that the church mm-hmm. asked you to do. So yeah, in your own little zone. Yeah, absolutely. And, but it so it kind of was just like a, an introduction to, this is how it can be almost of like, this is just so nice that we can you know, just have not, any judgment or worry about like who we're going to run into or anything like that. And it was, it was just really kind of refreshing. And so, um, eventually, so we living in Southern or growing up in Southern Utah, living in Vegas, it's like a two hour drive back and forth. And so we would go up 
to visit family and friends like once a month or so often. And there was a point where we were driving up and I just remember my husband told me on that drive that he had gotten a drink with some buddies before, like from school. And I was so taken aback. I was just like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> what do you mean you've been drinking? Cause I had no idea. Um, and I basically, we just kind of talked about it. And I, at the end of the conversation, we came to the conclusion of like, it's fine if you want to drink, like you're, you're a grown man, you can make your own decisions, whatever. But I just didn't want him drinking around our son. We just had one son at the time. And that was the deal that we came up with. Um, and it was kind of an adjustment for me because it was just like, that's like, you know, a big no-no is you're not supposed to drink. <laughs> and we would go out for dates or whatever, and he would order something. And I just remember being like, ooh, like, how do I, is this actually okay with me and whatever? But obviously you know, having one drink at lunch or something, it's not like he was getting drunk, <laughs> you know, right. like during lunch. And so, and then just being around like his parents and stuff who regularly drank, I just was like, this really isn't that bad. And it, it's not that big of a deal. And so that was kind of like looking back now, that was the moment where my husband was basically kind of telling me that he was done with the church, but he knows me and knew that he had to make sure I came to my own conclusion. So he was, that was kind of his way of like planting these little seeds to get me to kind of just like think outside of this box that had been formed around me since my birth. And so, <clears throat> but of course I didn't know that in the moment, but it's all like looking back, I'm like, it's all so obvious. But so moving forward, we, he gets a job out in Alabama. So we move after he graduates and same thing. It's we're in this place where we know nobody. There's no one near us. We're literally like across the country from anybody that we would know. And there's like the nearest church. It was like a 25 minute drive. So actually relatively close compared to some people, but that was the only one, the only LDS church. And they were super nice. They helped us move into our apartment. I, at the time, I was like seven months pregnant. Like my husband just had back surgery. It was a whole thing. So oh, the church, they really came through like when we moved there. And so we did. We went to church for a little bit. And um, like when you know nobody, it, it was nice just kind of being like, okay, I know I have common ground with someone here. And it was awesome. Like I made some really good friends in the short amount of time that I went to church. But once I had my son, you know, going to the church with a newborn is like just so unnecessary in my opinion. <laughs> even well, when I was nearly impossible, even when I was an active <laughs> member, I was like, why are people going to church like two weeks after having a baby? Like I know newborns are really easy and people might argue with me about that, but like all they do is eat, sleep and poop. Like Yes, it's possible, but like I was not ready to go back to church mentally or physically. So we didn't go and then COVID hit. And so then, you know, church was basically like non-existent and I wasn't about to like hop on Zoom calls and watch Sacrament. <laughs> so, um, so we basically just did our own thing and 
we, you know, made friends with people who were like our neighbors and who were, you know, Catholic or non-denominational or Christian or, you know, whatever they were. And it was really cool to see, again, just like that diversity and just kind of have conversations with people. And over time, I just kept kind of putting things on my shelf. Like there were so many things throughout those two years of COVID where my eyes were open to so much, both in and out of the church. And I really started researching a ton of stuff. And um, obviously during that time, TikTok kind of blew up and people were leaving the church more. Like people in my like circle and like, I swear it was like at least once a week, either me or my husband, we would be talking to each other and it's like, oh, did you see so-and-so left the church? And it was always like, what? And I remember um, him telling me that his, one of his best friends and their wife had left the church. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that's a big deal. That's like super close to us. And it, we kind of had a conversation about it. And again, this was my husband kind of planting seeds where he had asked me, you know, if you found out that the church wasn't true, or if you found out that there were some things wrong within the church, like, you know, what would that mean for you? And I remember giving an answer that probably everyone does of like, well, at the end of the day, like the church teaches good values and it's a really great community and, you know, it's centered around Christ. And so like, what's wrong about that? And he was just kind of like, yeah, okay, like fair answer. And then like we moved on and um, eventually there was a point where I went back to Utah for a work trip. And I met up with my best friend. I've known her for like 20 years. And she is someone that I look up to so much. A great example. Someone who was really faithful in the church. And she was someone that like I give a lot of credit to for tons of stuff. Like my testimony and whatever like growing up. She was just such a good example. And so we go to... Um, brunch and she tells me that she left the church and I cannot even explain to you how shocked I was because I was like what like you are the most like faithful person that I know and I was so so shocked and I had asked her like well what does that mean you know and she she basically told me she handled it perfectly she told me that she didn't believe in Joseph Smith and that if I wanted to know more, she would send me some resources and I could figure it out for myself. And me being in this like research mode from the last like however long, um, I was like, well, yeah, I want to know like everything. And so she sent me some stuff and I sat on it for a couple of days because I was just kind of in this like weird inner turmoil of like, do I actually want to dive into this? And so one of the first things she sent me was a podcast. And I was like, okay, I'll listen to a podcast. I love podcasts. And it was a Mormon stories podcast. Um, but she sent me one and it was just too intense for me. And so I turned it off because I was like, I just, I didn't like the podcast. And maybe it was just because I was like on the defense and scared, but I was like, no, like this is too scary and too intense. But it, 
I listened to enough where I was intrigued. And so I was like, maybe not this episode, but let's let's scroll through the podcast episodes and find something. And I found one that basically was talking about um, how what defines a cult and um, the, like how does the LDS church fit into that? And it was like a four part series. And if you guys know anything about the Mormon Stories podcast, they're always like five million hours long. Um, <laughs> they are. I love them, but they're super long. And so I was like, let me choose the longest one in a four part series. Anyways, it was super insightful and it opened my eyes up to so much. And I was just like flabbergasted. And then, and in it, I had kind of learned about the CES letter. And I know that sounds so silly. Like I went 28 ish years never hearing of what the CES letter was and but I had learned about it so I was like well I'm gonna read it and I did and I was like after I read that I was 100% done with the church I was like okay um and from the CES letter they do a really good job at citing everything and allowing you to like go find your own things that's what I did I just entered all these rabbit holes and for about two weeks, I was just in despair of like researching and reading and listening to things and finding all this crap. And I did it 100% on my own. Nobody knew that I was just secretly in this like pit of despair. (laughs) It was so hard because I was terrified. I was like, even though my husband had been like kind of socially drinking and we had been inactive for at this point, like two, three years. I was just terrified because it's one thing to be like kind of like a Jack Mormon, you know, and like stray away. And it's another to be like, I completely do not believe in this thing that I've been taught my whole life anymore. And how do I tell my husband this? Right. And that was absolutely terrifying. And one day I just couldn't take it anymore. I was I was literally just it was eating me alive that and I just had to get it out there. And. I told my husband one night, I was just like, okay, so I read the CES letter and he knew what it was. And I was like, and I just don't, I cannot be part of this like church anymore. And he was just like, well, it's about damn time. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was so funny. He was like, I've just been waiting for you to come around. I've been out for like years. And I was like, like, wait, wait. Yeah. So it was just like to give a brief synopsis and it kind of shares our personalities is like, so I did all this research, right. And I was just like, I got to fact check everything and I have to like know everything as much as I could before I come to this like life changing decision. And he was just very much like, no, this isn't the lifestyle I want. So I'm just going to do my own thing. And if I'm happy, that's good enough. And so (laughs) he's just like, Oh, I know. So he was like, so you read the letter, like, tell me about it. And I was like, okay. And it was just really interesting. And so we kind of, from that point, we had just established, you know, well, what do we want for ourselves? What do we want for our family? What fits in? What doesn't? And obviously we're still, you know, we figure that out as we go. But at at that point in time, we were like, any organized religion is not for us. Okay, so you guys had decided no more organized religion. And so are you are you currently in Alabama? 
Is that where you guys are living now? No, we actually just moved back to Utah like three weeks ago. Oh, no way. What part? Yeah. So we're in Southern Utah. We're in St. George. Oh, right. You mentioned that earlier. My bad. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. you're good. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Like living in Alabama was amazing. And I'm super grateful for that whole experience in for so many reasons. But it never felt like home. And so I just like we always were just like wanting to come back home. We missed our family. We missed our friends. It's it, I really do love Utah. It's beautiful. It really is family friendly. And so anyways, long story short, he was able to get a job. And so, yeah, we moved back like three weeks ago and it's been great. It's, it's wow. had some challenges, but it's been overall, it's been really great. That's great. So now talk to me about like, did you guys, have you talked to your, like your mom or uh, like your husband's, is your husband adopted then? Am I understanding that right? <laughs> so, okay. His story is really complicated. It's not that complicated, but so he, um, he was, when he was born or I'm sorry, after he was born, his parents got divorced. He was like maybe two. And then when his mom remarried, his stepdad adopted him. Okay. So he still, yeah. So he still has a relationship with his biological dad, but he has like a different last name and it kind of gets confusing. So (laughs) gotcha. Okay. Okay. So uh, did you guys have conversations with your active Mormon family and how did that go? Okay. So, um, we, so unfortunately my, my husband's parents who were active in the church, so his mom and his stepdad, they have both been passed away, um, before the deconstructing has happened. Yeah, it is, it is what it is. Um, but so we didn't have to have that conversation with them. And then his biological dad isn't LDS. And so he doesn't even really like we we didn't feel like there needed to be any type of conversation with his parents. Sure. Um, or I guess his dad. And then same with his siblings. It was just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. Like, right. So when it came to my parents, though. So my dad, um, I haven't really I don't really talk to my biological dad a ton. Um, it's just kind of like, you know, we grew up some distance there no big deal um but he's not active in the church so i don't feel obligated to like have a conversation with him either but as far as it comes to my mom and stepdad they're both super active in the church so i knew that was going to be a conversation to be had with them and i fought it for months i was just i knew if i wanted to have a conversation i needed to be in the right headspace for it yes and it's a big deal it is a big deal and it's it's kind of weird that it is but that's just kind of how these things go um so i ended up deciding on texting them which people will, will have their opinions at it but that was what i felt was best based on our relationship mm-hmm. and so i sent a text to both it was like a group message just you know poured my heart out just kind of explained some things i did set some boundaries in the message as well and I then, you know, panicked forever because, <laughs> because I was just like, ah, like, yeah, I knew I just had to kind of rip the bandaid and get it over with. Um, and I didn't know what to expect because with my parents, I could see it going so many ways. I knew they wouldn't like disown me by any means, but I just, 
I didn't, and I knew they wouldn't be like happy. So I, I think I didn't just know what it was going to be like. And so I didn't know how to prepare myself fully. Mm-hmm. Um, it took him about a little, like a full day to respond, which was for oh, me awful. Anguish, I'm but sure. It was, but I'm so glad they did. Cause I'm sure they had time to like get their emotions out and then respond more appropriately rather than like reactively. Yes. Which I really appreciated. So the response was as good as it could be. Like it was kind of funny because they were like, we kind of saw this coming. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, okay. So it wasn't like super out of the blue, you know, because by that point I had, we had been inactive for years. Um, I had tattoos, just, you know, little things like that. We didn't bless my son. Um, So I think they did see it coming. But they, you know, but of course it was like, well, we're, we're disappointed and blah, blah, blah. And I was just kind of like, oh, okay. Like that was, you know, I can work with that. And so fast forward to now, <clears throat> sorry. So fast forwarding to like today, honestly, it's been really, really great. I, my, they might say things behind closed doors and that's totally fine, but in front of us, it it honestly doesn't feel any different. It's been really nice. We're all respectful of each other. You know, like I'm not going over to their house, like drinking and partying or anything. And I'm sure. And if they come over, like, but I don't feel a need to like hide my coffee maker or anything. And, and it's been really nice. They've been really good with like my boys and just kind of respecting any boundaries I put there. And it honestly has been great. I would even argue that if anything it has made our relationship stronger to a point and maybe some of that is just from me doing like personal development therapy growth and just kind of dealing with some things that it's been stronger but I think it's all kind of tied together so that's how that went with my siblings my oldest sister she's been out of the church since she was like a teenager so she was just kind of like you know welcome welcome to the dark side um and then my two youngest siblings they were just kind of like all right cool like moving on you know it was just pretty again I feel like nothing has really changed that much and it's been I'm I'm very very lucky in that regard because I know not everybody has that experience right right that is that is fortunate Mm -hmm. um are your younger sisters are they still active in the church they are. Yep. As far as I know. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And are, are, is your mom's family still in Utah? No. So my mom's family and my dad. Well, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Let me think. Pretty much most of my extended family is in California. There's a few okay. people in, in Utah, more like Northern Utah. Um, but most of them are actually in California. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit here. So thank you for sharing such an incredible story. Um, let's, let's start talking more about, um, your thoughts on, on things now and on how Mormons and ex-Mormons, you know, communicate, how the church has impacted you in a lasting way. So my first question for you in that area is, um, what aspects of the Mormon faith or community have had like a lasting impact on your life? What, what's still a part of you? Oh, man. Um, 
or maybe what has, what has, um, uh, so either what's still a part of you or what has, um, uh, what's, what am I looking for? What has left an impact on you? I feel like there's probably a lot more than I realize because I still feel like I'm kind of new in my deconstruction journey. Um, and I think there's good and like pros and cons that have, or like bad and negative things that have had an impact on me. So one of them being, I feel like I'm a really loyal person in general. And I think part of that stems from growing up in the church where you are so loyal and you like fight for like you get defensive when other people kind of bring up things about Mormons or whatever. And, and, and I see that as a good thing, like Mm -hmm. being really loyal. And I do think being part of church has played a big role in that. I think that I have a really service oriented mindset. And I think a lot of that comes from the church as well. And I love doing things like that. And anyways, um, but as far as other things, like I am very much, I have issues with people pleasing, which I definitely think that comes from particularly being a woman in the church, growing up in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think there are other factors that play a role in that, but all of them combined, the church being one of them, um, definitely plays a role in that. Um, And man, I don't know. I, I was pretty defiant as a child, so <laughs> I feel like I fought, <laughs> I fought a lot of things, but honestly, I feel like so much of myself has changed in the last couple of years. Sure. Um, that I, but I also feel like I don't fully really realize the full effects that the church has had on me unless I'm like in a situation, like a lot of times I don't realize things until I'm like triggered by it. Gotcha. Um, that makes sense. But those are the ones that I can think of the most is like the people pleasing for sure. A little bit of lack in like self-confidence, which I've worked a lot on. Um, but there, I mean, it's, I don't know. There's so many things, I, but no, I can't even think about it. That's perfect. And I love that, you know, you were able to touch on some positive things like the loyalty and then also some some baggage that you carry, like your the lack of self-confidence and, and people pleasing and things like that. There's mm-hmm. there's definitely positive and negative effects that that being in the church can can have on us, whether we're still in or or out. You know, there's right. It's it's a mixed bag. So, yeah. And then um, do you interact with a lot of, I'm assuming you do interact with a lot of ex-Mormons, given your Instagram account and your purpose there, but do you you still interact with a lot of active members of the church? I do, yeah. I've got some really great friends who are active members and obviously family. So that's awesome. And so how do you navigate, you know, those differences and similarities between beliefs and experiences of these two very different types of people? I think it kind of just depends on the person. So a big thing for me, especially when forming relationships with people, was there has to be more depth than just, like, religion. And mm-hmm. even with people who never grew up LDS, like, that is still there. Because I think it's really easy to connect, obviously, with ex-Mormons on things, but I think it's really easy for us to get trapped in this cycle of like just talking about the church or 
like what it did to us or, you know, the, the history behind it. But it's like, at the end of the day, we're so much more complex than that. And there's so much more to us as people that we can connect on. And so I really try to have more and deep dive. And I love talking to people and I love really getting to know people and what they enjoy and what their dreams and what their goals are. And so I think that has really helped, but there are definitely times when I would say more particularly with people who are still active where I find myself just not um, like participating in the conversation as much just because I would rather say nothing than say something that would just do harm. I don't like at the end of the day, if I love someone and I value our relationship, I don't want to hurt anybody. And I do feel like a lot of the relationships I have with people who are active LDS still are safe enough where I can kind of joke around or make a little comment here and there. And they're not really going to like bat an eye or be offended in any way. But I think it comes down to more of like when I see a friend, you know, talking about how their eight-year-old chose to be baptized. Like those little things just kind of are like, oh, you know, and there's just times like that where I feel like it's more of a me problem. And if I really love and respect somebody, then I need to respect everything. And that's kind of where it gets really tricky with being out of the church is because I see both sides of it. I see the side where I used to be a believing member and I used to have these certain thoughts and beliefs and justifications of things. And now that I'm outside of it, I see in my mind what is wrong with certain things. And it's hard. And it's, I would almost rather just have never grown up in the church and just have been like on the complete outside of it looking in rather than having like two sides of the coin. And so to be honest, a lot of the time, I just don't say anything. And I'm sure that a lot of people don't say things around me out of maybe fear that I might be offended or something like that. But to me, the relationship that I have with someone is more important that I would rather just keep my mouth shut and respect them and their beliefs than to try and cause some sort of confrontation. And I think that some relationships have definitely um, like drifted apart. But to me, that just goes to show that, oh, maybe we didn't necessarily have as strong as a foundation as I thought in the relationship where there's other things that we could connect on. And if they're drifting away, then, you know, maybe that was the one thing that was like really connecting us. And it is what it is. Like at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm still me. And if people want to be in my circle, great. If not, okay. Like I'll miss you, but there's no bad feelings or anything either way. Oh, God, that is all so wise and so beautifully said, Chandler. Thank you for sharing that. I I love your thoughts on, you know, like, you know, having depth in relationships, but also, you know, pausing on topics where there might be conflict or offense taken and valuing the relationship above everything else. And um, I think those are some, some beautiful um, strategies that both Mormons and ex-Mormons can utilize to mm-hmm. strengthen maintain relationships with each other yeah for sure 
Um, so I just wanted to touch really quick on, you know, you're living in Southern Utah, so you still have a lot of Mormon community around you. Do you, do you have, you know, ward members reaching out to you or do you have, have missionaries stopped by? What's been your experience with, with that lately? Surprisingly, nothing. (laughs) What's funny is when I, so when we moved here, I was like, like we, you know, pull up with the U-Haul, come to our house. We're like right by the new temple that's being built out here. And I was fully expecting like an army of people just ready to come (laughs) help us unload our truck. And I was like mentally preparing myself and not a single person did. (laughs) Which Again, that's, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't mad or anything, but I was just like, Oh, I was, I was a little surprised that nobody came. <laughs> um, that's not true. Somebody did come right as we were finishing, like, unloading the truck, like, literally the last box. And he was, he's our neighbor. He's so nice, but he was, like, at work. Um, but, no, we haven't had missionaries or anything. I haven't had anyone from the ward. We actually haven't even removed our records yet. So I, I did kind of think that we would be, you know, reached out to. But I, I almost wonder if because of the whole, like, leaving the church, like, peak COVID, and then our ward in Alabama, we went through bishops a lot because it was a Coast Guard base, so a lot of the members were Coast Guard, so they were moving all the time. Um, I kind of feel like we've just been forgotten, and so we're just riding this wave of no one talking to us, <laughs> which has yeah. been kind of nice, but <laughs> but we, we have been our, some of our neighbors, like, I... I made some homemade salsa and we went and took it around so that my boys could try and meet some, you know, kids and get acquainted with everybody. And our neighbors are so sweet, so nice. I can tell that some of them are not Mormon. I can tell that some of them definitely are. So we've got some good diversity around us, which is nice. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Okay. So can you, what are some, now that you've, you know, you've had both experience active in the church and, um, Ex, you know, out of the church, what are some misconceptions or stereotypes associated with active Mormons or ex-Mormons that you've encountered? Oh my gosh, so many. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I mean, being an active Mormon, there's so many stereotypes, so many stereotypes. Like, I, I think there's just a lot of cliches that come with it. Like a lot of people just, you know, maybe aren't super educated on what LDS people practice and believe. And so people just automatically make all these assumptions. Um, and it's funny because I fall into a lot of them. Like people assume that every LDS person is like in an MLM and oh, dang it, like I am. And like, just, <laughs> just like things like that. And it, it is what it is. And I, right. that's a whole other conversation. But, but one that really surprised me with being ex-Mormon And I don't want to, like, say that this is everybody, but this is just what I experienced. So once I left the church and kind of came to that conclusion of, like, okay, like, this is not for me. I'm done. And, you know, I'm kind of still in this, like, spiral of, like, who am I? Like, you just totally lose your identity. Mm -hmm. Um, I joined some, like, faith journey groups. And they were super helpful. But I felt like I was a minority because I I felt like if you're an ex-Mormon 
left the church, you suddenly need to be like a Democrat or super like liberal and somebody who is drinking and getting tattoos and just doing all of these things that, you know, growing up in the church are just like so absurd and how dare you. Um, and I was like, no, like I'm pretty good still being like in a heterosexual like marriage. And like, I, I personally don't feel the need to drink alcohol a lot. Like, yeah, I'll go out and socially drink, but it's just not like my vibe. Um, tattoos though, love those. Um, (laughs) and like, I still dress like fairly quote unquote modestly, And, you know, just things like that, I still consider myself way more conservative than, like, the average ex-Mormon. And I just, I don't know, I felt like I was a minority and I could see posts and people talking and, you know, making fun of, like, political things or, you know, whatever it was, like, homesteading, things like that, that I was like, okay, well, I'm hella crunchy over here. And like, (laughs) I voted differently than you. So like, I suddenly was like, oh, I'm like a mega outcast. Like, I don't even fit in this like ex-Mormon group. And obviously, I was just super emotional and like, (laughs) going through a lot when I first joined those groups. And so I think it was really easy for me to just be dramatic. Um, And to a fault, like, I think I still am a little bit more of a minority in some of those things. But what I've experienced just from talking to people and being in these groups for longer and stuff is at the end of the day, like you respect people for who they are and how they treat you. And regardless of how you live your life, like if we're good people, it, it, that's just as much as it should be. That should just be like the, the expectation. And so that's been really nice. I do think that, um, I don't know. I think it's kind of funny because during the last couple of years as I've deconstructed, I have questioned myself a lot. Like, okay, like, let me look at, you know, this, this thing over here, which maybe is like, um, I, I can't even like a different religion. Like, okay, let's see like what this religion is. Cause I never really learned about it. And let's go see what this one is. And let's go see what this is. So I did a lot of exploring it was exhausting. I definitely don't recommend doing that. Um, but <laughs> at least like do it a little more spread out than I did. Um, but it was nice just kind of having the opportunity to explore and just kind of see. I, I basically questioned everything, whether it was in the church or outside of it. I was just like, do I actually have an opinion that's original and that is actually mine? Like, let's go find out. And that was really nice. And you kind of learn a lot about stereotypes on each end of the spectrum and, you know, still come to my own conclusions with them and feel good about it. And then now if something comes up that I've maybe never thought of, I'm just kind of like, oh, let's go explore that. And that's nice. I I just like having the ability to figure it out for myself now. I don't feel like I have to fit into a mold on either side. And that's really nice. That's amazing. And I I love that. I, I think being able to see past the stereotypes and just seeing people for who they are, you know, is so powerful and so important for overcoming, you know, the divides between these groups of people. So that's right. 
Um, so I have one more question for you. And then if there's anything else you'd like to share, we have plenty, you know, we've got time. So, um, (laughs) but just letting you know where we're at. So my last question that I have for you is what advice or insights would you offer to individuals who are questioning their faith or considering leaving the church? My advice would be to stay curious. I think that there, if you're already kind of having thoughts and doubts, that's really telling and to get curious about it and learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I know that's way easier said than done, but you can't even begin to explore your curiosity without getting uncomfortable because you are going to find discomfort. As soon as you start stepping out of the world that you most likely grew up in and have been told for generations most likely of what to do and what to say and how to believe, how to act, you know, how to dress, all those things, it's you are literally breaking generations of consistency and it's super uncomfortable. And so I would just say, if you're having thoughts or questions or whatever, stay curious about it because there's a truth there and go explore it and be okay with that. But also understand that you are going to face some things that you maybe are not wanting to face. And that's okay. I don't think that you have to question things and then be like, all right, I'm done with the church. I don't think that's super necessary, but I do think that you should trust yourself. And if you're having these instincts and these thoughts, that is really telling and should be really significant. So if you're questioning things that maybe the church is doing or saying, and it's not in alignment with you, figure out why that is and figure out if it is historically like a problem within the church and be okay with not knowing everything right away because it's a lot like deconstructing and asking questions it's it's a lot but also know that you are not alone I guarantee any question that you have any thought any feeling any experience you have someone else has experienced it or is going through it right now And that is so vital to know because it is so lonely when you deconstruct, but it's only lonely if you allow yourself to be alone. And so again, get curious, be like, is there anybody else out there who's thinking like this? And how can I find those people? And just do things that are going to, in the long term, help you and make you feel comfortable. Because I think... That at the end of the day, everything has consequences, whether it's a natural consequence or, you know, a good or a bad one. And as long as you are okay with taking on the responsibility of those consequences, it doesn't matter what conclusion you come to. As long as you know that you are doing it on your own accord with your own information that you found. And it's okay to go outside of church resources And to talk to people who have left the church or have never been part of the church, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with questioning things. And just at the end of the day, know that you're a good person 
and that is enough in God's eyes. And so, yeah, I guess that's my advice. (laughs) Oh gosh, that is incredible. And I just want to say it one more time for the people in the back, you know, like if you, you know, if you feel it and if you are, you know, okay with the consequences, it does not matter which conclusion you come to, you know, Mm -hmm. if if that is for you, then that is the right decision for you. I just, I love that. I love that so much. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up our interview? (sighs) I don't think so. I could probably just talk your ear off for hours, but I think this is good. This is yeah. good stuff. This has been an absolute privilege and delight. Thank you so much for coming on with me today, Chandler. Um, and thank you to everyone who listened to our episode today. And um, we hope to catch you in the next one. Mm-hmm.